0: I can see you out there, Kellen.
1: I've talked to like 19 basketball people in three hours. (laughs) Arizona Sports. Our Suns' mega mind, Kellen Olsen, joining Wolf and Luke to talk about the Phoenix Suns now. All right, Kellen Olsen is joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. We got Suns, Thunder tonight. No KD tonight. Maybe Sunday. Maybe, maybe Wednesday, but either way, there's a, an important game now tonight. Twenty-two of these left, and Kellen Olson joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. Kellen, how's it going, man? Doing
0: well. Exciting times. Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, we promise that uh, when uh, when when you try to answer our questions, we're not going to have thousands of people chanting over your uh, your responses. So it'll be a little <laughs> bit different than last Thursday. The I want to start here. Um, just the buzz around this team. And I I don't mean so much around the city or, you know, outside the practice facility, but like inside the practice facility with the players and the coaches, have you seen a a noticeable change the last couple of weeks?
0: I I think so. And I think, I think everyone can kind of point to the Sacramento game themselves. Right. And just kind of see the amount of buzz the, the team was playing with on the court, but it's definitely around there. I mean, uh Devin Booker told us himself, we tried to kind of pry it out of him a bit. Like, were you when did you get back? What did you do during your break? He was like, Oh, yeah, no I was here. And he was like, Okay, well, what would you do? And he's like, Well, took the weekend off a it. it's like, All right, what after? And then he's like, Yeah, I was here Monday. He was like, Who were you here Monday with in the facility? Were you there with Kevin Durant and He's like, Yeah. Like, these guys are already getting after it. Like, a lot of people were taking vacations during the All Star break, as they are obliged to do, of course, but. Book and KD were back in the gym on Monday right away. And that just kind of sets the tone for what's going to be coming here over the next couple of months. I know the cuts you guys have been playing from DeAndre, and I'm sure about how there's less smiling right now and it's more about business right now. And I think the mentality around the team is going to change, the intensity around the team is going to change, but also just they understand the expectations on them. And I think that when you play with someone like Kevin Durant, like they got a firsthand peek at it in the scrimmage yesterday just to see him in five-on-five. And I'm sure that sets the expectations for themselves, too. Like, you can win it all with a guy like that. And I think everyone, if they didn't realize it already, they realize it now. Killer, just listening to you talk about Devin Booker right now, do you think we appreciate Devin Booker enough? Do you think we take him for granted, the superstar that he is, and yet his demeanor is just awesome? Do you think we take him for granted? I don't think I don't think we take it for granted. I think if anyone listening believes that they're taking it for granted that they they should stop but I think it's it's a thing that goes back to when the years were really rough and just how we see so many situations across the NBA outside of Phoenix that go south and guys demand trades. I think we could all agree that by the fourth or fifth year in Phoenix for him, he was at a point where he had really established himself and could have it would have been understandable if he was a lot more negative about what was going on and just answering. Questions like just more honestly, and, and, and with how he was feeling about everything was going on, how everything—not even about that, but just how everything was going. I mean, they had some ridiculous losing streaks over that stretch, but he he said it uh, during after they won the Western Conference Finals in 2021. Like I just kept my head down and, and kept working. And that's really the part of it more than anything else, but also the fact that he's a, arguably a top-ten player in the league right now. And like I said, when, when Kevin Durant arrives, if anyone understands on the team what that means it's him, like he was in there in the gym with him on Monday, and I think it's just really going to change the dynamic of the team as, as, as a whole. And I don't want to say a better or worse thing because I think like the spirit of the team you get from Mikel, Dario, and Cam, obviously that's going to be something that they're going to have to make up for in other ways, but it's it's, it's going to be a different vibe. Talking to Kellen Olson,
1: um, Kellen, <laughs> I don't know how to answer this. I'm not sure you're going to know how to answer it. I don't know if anybody is going to know how to answer it, and that would be a good thing, I guess, for the Suns. But how are you supposed to defend a team with the mid-range shooters that this team has when everybody's healthy?
0: Yeah, I, I don't really know, Luke. And honestly, I think that it has to do less with mid-range and, and more with just the dynamics of the offense as a whole. I wrote a really lengthy in-depth feature that went up on Tuesday on Kevin Durant in the, in the offense and then yesterday's piece was focused on the defense but within the offense if you look at the four primary shot takers on this team prior to the trade it was Mikkel Bridges we know he operates around those elbow actions those are something that Kevin ran a lot of in Brooklyn but they were pretty uh ABC one two three they were pretty simple and and the Suns run a lot of complex stuff throughout their offense, including at the elbow it's going to free up a lot for him you've got Chris Paul Kick-and-roll ball handler brings the floor up, maneuvers, manipulates, and that's what Kevin Durant does as well. You look at Devin Booker and what he does in the half-court offense, he comes around curling actions. Kevin Durant can curl from either side, and that's a thing that not a lot of guys in the world can do. And then DeAndre Ayton, uh, one of the most efficient post players in the last three years has been Kevin Durant. He shot 58% on post-ups in the last three years, and that was on a shot and a half a game from there. So you can post him up. You can use him as a screener. You can put him anywhere in this offense, and it's going to work. So I, I think that obviously the mid range is going to be the the part of the floor that everyone dominates from. But it's just more so how they can plug him in anywhere. Because I don't know if there's anyone. It, is there anyone in the league right now? I guess other from Giannis and LeBron, where you can say like, yeah, they can set screens and like post up like a center, and then they can also just bring the ball up the court and run your offense like a point guard. Like guys like that just don't really. Exists. And then the part that I wrote about yesterday was Durant can protect the rim too. Like his analytics there protecting the rim are pretty good. He averages a block and a half a game. I think Suns fans are going to be really surprised by the type of defender that he is. What are you looking for tonight? Is there anything in particular you're going to look for, Killer? Yeah, well, I'm keeping an eye on the first wings off the bench because it actually has been Ish Wainwright lately, but the amount of games on his two way contract ran out. So for Suns fans who aren't familiar now, Ish is on a two-way contract, and that has a limited number of NBA games uh, act, being active on it. And Ish ran out, but he can still remain on the roster on that two-way contract. He can practice, travel with the team, be on the bench during the games and stuff, but he cannot suit up. He cannot be active. So he's going to be inactive as, as of right now. Uh, they, they have an open roster spot right now, which they could sign him to, but if they don't, they're going to need to find someone else to play those wing minutes. And that's the thing that's kind of stuck up on people in the last couple of weeks is that Ish has been one of the first two or three guys off the bench in that primary wing off the bench. So that's where you look at T.J. Warren. Could we see Darius Baisley after he got a week to get assimilated in the system? We'll, we'll see. What does it mean in terms of campaigns introduction back possibly tonight or, or looking more at Sunday or Wednesday potentially? It, the shakeup in the, in the depth and who's going to emerge from three or four guys. That It was a really good audition period for them in the last couple of games and, they, and they're going to get maybe one or two more here depending on how many more games it takes for Durant to get back.
1: Yeah, we're talking to Kellen Olsen joining us on the Arizona Sports Line right now along those lines, Kellen, when this team gets into the playoffs, in your opinion, what uh, what should the playoff rotation look like? I mean, it's a lot different than just a regular season rotation. Do you want it to be eight, nine guys? And, and how many of those spots beyond the, the main four do you feel like are, are sufficiently locked up right now?
0: I think that a couple of spots are, are locked up. I, I think that it locked up is is, is probably I, I don't want to say things are cemented, but I feel like Torrey Craig is, is obviously a guy that's going to be, so you got four guys I'm thinking three or four other spots. You got him. I think campaign is the backup point guard is the obvious. So that's really two or three more spots. We're talking about Josh Akogi with the way that he's been playing for the past month, which what, with what he brings defensively, I think he's a no brainer. And then for any of those spots, you can, you can really go through and it, backup center included, because there are going to be some series where you probably don't want to play a backup center. And guess what? Kevin Durant can be your backup center. It's, <laughs> it's really a, a multitude of things they can do with, but honestly, the depth conversation guys is is important to have, but I, I think it's more important to just talk about the, the top four that they have and specifically that they have Kevin Durant on his team. And like something that I was looking up today that I that I thought out of the back of my head was real and then I kind of looked it up. I, I don't think anyone realizes that Kevin Durant has been the final boss of the NBA for the past really twelve years. And what I mean by that is he's been healthy for ten postseasons now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, nine postseasons. In the nine postseasons that he's been healthy He's either won the championship or gotten beat by the team that won the title. (sighs) In twenty ten, he lost to the Lakers in the first round. They won the title. In twenty eleven, they lost to the Mavs in the Western Conference Finals. They won the title. In twenty twelve, lost to the Heat in the finals. In twenty fourteen, lost to the Spurs in the Western Conference Finals. They won. Lost to the Warriors that next year, lost to them. Warriors won the finals. Went to the Warriors, won two straight championships. Then he goes to Brooklyn. You guys remember that second round, the toe on the line uh-huh, plays 48 yeah. minutes in Game Five, scores 49, and they play 53 in Game Seven. <laughs> they lose to the Bucks. You, you guys remember that, of course. They beat yes. the Suns 2022. Last year, they get swept by the Celtics. That's the only um, amend really there. It's wow. it's pretty incredible what what they've been able to do, uh, what he's been able to do specifically, I should say, and how much he matters in the scheme of like the postseason. So I know I know. The Damian Lee or Landry Shama conversation is big, but I've been just more being, been thinking more big picture, obviously, with how Durant really sways the league in more ways than people realize.
1: How much pressure do you think he takes off Chris Paul, or, or is there no way to take off at least external pressure on Chris Paul right now because he's the guy that has played the longest and done all he's done without winning a title, but maybe more so just on the floor? How much does uh, pressure does KD take off him?
0: Yeah, I think it's a lot, and something Mikel Bridges talked about on J.J. Reddick's podcast, Old Man and the Three, he kind of alluded to how Chris Paul was getting a lot more back to the level of defense that he's been used to playing, and Mikel was talking about how a couple of things were coming together for them, and one of the things that he mentioned was Chris's defense specifically, and I think that's the one thing that's going to help a lot of these guys. I did get some feedback on the KDPs from like the people who watched him a lot more in Brooklyn, and they were a lot more hesitant on his defense, but I do think that all of these guys collectively together handling the ball is going to free them up to do more defensively like i think devin booker is going to be a lot better defensively in these last 20 games i think that chris paul is going to be a lot better defensively and i think kevin durant is going to be a lot better defensively as well and all of that bundles into deandre who i think yesterday really spoke with the intention of like my role anchor of the defense like that's what it is on this team i think that he got a scrimmage in with kevin durant saw what kevin durant was capable of and was like all right I got to protect the rim, switch out, block shots, run the floor, rebound. Yep. And, and it seems like that part of it, sort of just being with Durant, got through to him at least like when we talked in like an hour afterward. It just seemed like that was really the type of experience where he was starting to get accustomed to the type of player that Durant is. Killer, I only have a couple of seconds here, and right now I'm getting looks from command and control even asking this, but... Do you think that KD has built any type of relationship early? I know it's early, but with DeAndre Ayton taking him as little brother maybe under the wing, have you seen any of that? Yeah, he he talked about it yesterday. Uh, I, I was asking DA just about the defensive responsibilities that they'll have together and how Durant gives them something they never had before because we talked about how Jay Crowder and we've talked in the offseason, like they need more size. They need like a true power forward. Well, Kevin Durant is the size of a true power forward and gives them that rim protector. So it's going to be really important for the relationship and how they work with chemistry and camaraderie on the defensive end for those two. And DeAndre said KD was telling him, like, yo, I trust you to switch. Go switch. And then KD was kind of pumping him up and telling him, like, these dudes can't score on us. We got this. Like it's That type of stuff is already happening between those two. And and you guys saw, you, you'll remember in those first 10, 15 games when Chris Paul was here how much he was getting on DA and how much he understands DA is the X factor. Kevin Durant understands that too, and he understands how critical – someone like DeAndre is to their success. So I guarantee that's already been happening, and DeAndre told us, told us as much.
1: Kellen, great stuff as always, man. We'll look forward to reading your stuff here throughout the stretch run in the playoffs.
0: Thanks,
1: guys.